Acts chapter three, just a normal day. In fact, I thought about calling this a beautiful day at a beautiful gate. Things were normal for this man. This is all he'd ever known all of his life. He was in a routine. There was a reason why he was in a routine. We read in chapter three in verse one of Acts, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Now, if you ever wonder how to separate the hours in the New Testament, a quick, easy way. Usually daylight is six o'clock. So the ninth hour is nine hours after sunrise. So basically it's at three o'clock in the afternoon. If you get to the sixth hour, you're at noon. So here he comes for three o'clock. It's the mid-afternoon prayers leading up to the evening sacrifices. And they come to the temple at the ninth hour. And a certain man, what's his name? Doesn't have a name. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and they knew that it was he which had set for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed, healed, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. So here we have one of the miracles that take place following Pentecost. Let me, let me just deal with two or three things real quick because I'm looking at the subject, not what I expected. You see, we have a man here that uh, the Bible makes it very clear to us, he was disabled, disabled all of his life from birth. So he had a condition that he was unable to fix. Don't you think from the time that he was born that his parents and he himself had always looked and wondered, is there some other avenue? Surely there must be some recourse for me to find a way to be able to walk but he's unable to, no matter what he dealt with. And when people are unable, the next thing they do, he was not only unabled by his disability, but he coped with his disability. What a lot of people do when they feel like I'm not able to fix it or I can't find somebody to fix it, I'm just gonna have to live with it. And if I'm gonna have to live with it, I might as well find a way to cope with it. It'll happen in all of our lives. You'll find out that what, there's always some way that you'll compensate for your weakness. If you get a bad knee, 
a lot of times, don't be shocked when you get your knee replacement if suddenly you get problems with your hips or your back or your other knee, which you call your good knee, because what happens is you compensate for your weakness with the rest of your body. So here's a man that was finding a way to cope with it. Blind people find a way to cope with their condition. They'll move the furniture around to where they know everything is in its right place. And they find a way to carry on and to cope with situations. I've watched people with physical challenges all of my ministry, and I've always been amazed at the way they learn how to cope with the condition they have, but that doesn't stop them from living. They just say, if I'm unable to fix it, I'm gonna find a way to cope with it. And because of that, he became labeled by it. We don't have his name, we just have his condition. So now he's unable to fix it. He is now suddenly coping with it. He is labeled by it, and what's worse, he is controlled by it. Now, if you read the scripture correctly, when he receives his healing, there's only one part of his body that receives the healing, his feet and ankle bones. In other words, one thing kept him bound. If your ankle, and ankle bones and feet, your ankles and feet are the only problem that you have, Look at all the rest of your body that's okay. But one thing hindered everything. Do you know the devil doesn't have to find but one thing in our life to cripple us with? It doesn't take 20 things or 100 things. If he finds one thing and it works, whatever that one thing is, he'll try to control you with that one thing. One thing altered this man's life, this man's capability of making a living, this man's capability of being in the temple himself. It altered everything. Just one single thing left him in the condition that he was born in. All of this physically is a picture of us spiritually because the spiritual application is simple. First of all, we've had a problem from birth. Spiritually, from birth. It's in us. It doesn't manifest itself until sometimes later, but it's in us. Not only is it in us, but we learn how to cope with it. Do you know if you're not careful, you'll learn how to live in your sin. You'll learn how to maneuver things around to stay in your sin. And then you'll find out that whatever sin, that one thing that controls your life, and the devil a lot of times when it comes to sin, he'll find one thing, not a hundred things, one thing to try to control you. And you'll become labeled by that one thing. That one wrong in your life, that's what they'll, know, they'll notice in your life. And that's what they'll call you by. And it'll leave you disabled. But we not only see the disabled, we see that he was also enabled. They carried him. Think about his condition. He couldn't get there himself and they carried him. Do you know the devil will always send along enablers to keep you in your sin? Misery loves company. And he'll always make sure there's somebody there to help you stay where you're at. They weren't carrying him to a doctor. 
They weren't carrying him to somebody that could help him get out of his condition. They were carrying him to a place where that he could continue to cope with it, to beg alms of people and ask alms of people as they went into the temple. So they take him to the location where he should have really found what he needed, but instead he just stayed the same. They brought him to the temple. I don't know what is worse, a crippled man or a crippled church. The church was just as crippled as what he was because they knew the teaching of Christ. They've now seen the miracles of Christ. They know what Christ can do, but instead of somebody taking faith and coming out against this thing to try to help this man, instead they just enable him to continue in his sin, enable him to continue in his condition rather. And that's what the devil does for us. He'll let you come to church, but he'll make sure that he sets you beside of someone that doesn't care about your condition. Probably they're just like you. You know out of the hundreds of people in this church, hundreds of people, you come to this church, if you come just a few services. I promise you this, it won't take you any time at all. All the liars will find all the liars. All the cheats will find all the cheats. All the shysters will find all the shysters. All the immoral will find all the immoral. You don't have a label on you. It's just drawn to you and they'll set you right by that and they'll be there to support you in your sin. But I've got good news. We haven't come to enable you today. We've come to tell you about somebody that can break the shackles and change your life and make you a different person. The enablers. Then also, it's sad that they're bringing him to a church that has no power and doesn't realize it. Six hundred years before Jesus came. The temple lost its power. The Babylonians overthrew it. We don't know exactly what happened, but the Ark of the Covenant disappears in your Bible when the Babylonians plundered Jerusalem. They completely plundered it. It's gone. They know that it's gone, but yet they figured a way to keep having sacrifices and making money and looking religious. But if the Ark of the Covenant wasn't there, that means there was not the proper place to put the blood for 600 years. And without the blood on the mercy seat, there was not only no blood, but also there was no glory. And with there being no blood and there being no glory, there was no power in the temple. The holiest of holies was just an empty room, but yet it looked the same on the outside. Can I tell you this is Pentecost Sunday and there'll be thousands of churches that will meet today. They'll look like a church. They'll talk like a church. They'll act like a church. But the glory has been gone because the blood is gone and the glory is gone. But if you want something unusual to happen because this man, he faced enablers, but finally he got to somebody that knew the power of God to deliver. 
worker. Yes, he was disabled. Yes, he was enabled. But hallelujah, finally somebody knew how to get a hold of heaven and the God of heaven delivered him from his condition to be delivered from that condition simply meant that day he met some people that they were not enablers, they were believers. It's a lot easier to let people stay in their sin than to believe God to get them out of their sin. Enablers kept him in the same condition. Believers said, you don't need money, you need a miracle. A miracle changed his need of money. No longer did he have to receive alms of people coming into the temple. No longer did he have to rely on the money that they were giving to him. Once he was healed, he could go to work. That's why a lot of people don't want to get healed. Because we enable them to stay where they're at. Preach on, brother, preach on. If you, don't, if you get healed, you don't have anything to talk about. I know what I'm talking about because I never hear you talk about getting blessed. All I hear about is how much pain you have, how much agony you have, how many doctor's appointments you've got, how you're going to this doctor and that doctor, and you're none the better. You know what you need? You just need to sit in a service for five minutes where the glory of God comes down. Does that mean that everything's gone? No, but you don't care that you have it anymore. When you get in the glory of God and the spirit of God, you may have all those conditions, but it doesn't matter. When God is there and people are blessed, everything changes. They said, we don't have money for you, but we have a miracle for you. Somebody one time said, no longer can the church say silver and gold have I none, but also no longer can they say, take up thy bed and walk. because those things make them feel secure. Surely, if we've got all of these blessings, God must be for us. Surely, if we've got all this money, we must be doing what's right. Churches, their bank accounts are loaded today, but they know nothing of the power of God. There's people that have come into this place today that they need a touch from God. They need someone to change their circumstance and they need someone to change their condition and they need someone to make it all different. I can't do it, but thank God, I know the same spirit that came on the 120 in the upper room. That same spirit is right here this morning and he's saying the Lord has the power to raise you up and to change it all. He was no longer lame. Now he's leaping. I know we've got a vast amount of people. You regularly, they, they watch online. Thank you, we appreciate it. A lot of people even in this church from the past, notice I said from the past, they're not among us now. And that's all right. I can't carry dead wood. 
The church is a place of life. He gives us life. He gives us life more abundantly. I didn't say it, Jesus said it. And in all of this, this is what I hear regularly. I don't know that I could come to a church where people run the aisle and where they carry on like that. Do you never read your Bible? What they're doing is not unscriptural. You don't have to do it, but how dare you lay your hand to somebody else that does it? Just because some people get emotional over their salvation, there's some of us that still remember what we were without the Lord. There's some of us that still remember when we faced things that we couldn't overcome. There's some folks here today, they know when they were lying on a hospital bed and death was the forecast of their life, but Jesus miraculously came in and delivered them and gave them life. Some of us remember what it was to be bound by sin, but now we're free. Don't you dare make fun of anyone that worships and praises God. No place for it. See, the difference is, if you don't do that, I'm fine with you. But if you criticize the ones that do it, I'm gonna preach the shingles off your roof. I'm about done, hold on. (laughs) What we see is the curse to any church in this text. What is the curse? They carried him daily set him in the same place. He did the same thing. He got the same results, but nothing changed. The curse of the church is routine. Routine. Do it the same way you've always done it. And what's gonna happen? We serve a God that loadeth us daily with benefits. And what God gives me today, I may not even know why he gave it to me today until I face my tomorrow. But when I face my tomorrow, I'll know what he gave me today. And you go through the routine and you just continue sitting in the same place. Some of you, you get mad when somebody takes your seat. You're telling others, don't you take that seat. That's so-and-so seat. Look right here. Don't you ever let anybody tell you in this church you took somebody's seat. I mean, the last time I checked, I'm still the pastor. I'm not a dictator, but I'm still the pastor. And if they tell you that, you come to me because I want it straight, straight from my mouth. There's no assigned seats. That doesn't matter. If you want to sit in the front and get blessed, sit in the front. If you want to sit in the back and get blessed, sit in the back. The important thing is, you can't just keep sitting in the same place doing the same thing and expecting a different result. I've come expecting the unexpected today. I've come wanting God to do the unusual and to break the routine. Normal is a curse not only 
in the church, but normal is the curse in anybody's life. If you expect the normal every day, you'll get the normal every day. I've come believing God for the unusual. 